You're listening to the Spawn on Me podcast with your host, the captain, Khalif Adams, the Baron of Bourbon, Cicero Holmes, and the man who makes everything look good, Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. Welcome to Bricago, y'all. Welcome to the Spawn on Me podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. Yo, 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 what is good, Bricago? How is everybody doing this week? I want to give everybody a huge, huge, huge shout out for, again, checking out our show last week we had the amazing greg haynes on from able gamers rocking with us hanging with us super hard it was really fun to be able to talk to him about all the wonderful things that he's doing over able gamers again he is fantastic and brought all the heat and brought <laughs> and brought all the wonderfulness to the show uh i'm super excited for him and his future endeavors and everything that he does at able gamers because he, as you can hear from that last episode, just knows his stuff. Like he, he gets it and he understands the the things that you're supposed to be doing as an ally in that space and, and trying to help to make that thing better. So again, thank you to everybody who listened to that particular show and to every show that we do here on Spawn Me. You have no idea how much that makes me feel fantastic uh, being able to have you all as a part of our community. So massive, massive, massive amounts of love and respect to you all out in the world. Um, this week has been an interesting week to say the least. It has not been my most exciting week. It has been actually a pretty depressing week. Um, it's been a lot of stuff that's happening that, that, that you all have heard about in terms of the world and then also in the gaming space that have been not fantastic um, for folks who are both inside and outside of the gaming community. We all know about the terrible uh atrocities and, and and shootings that have happened over the past couple of days we had two in the same day one in dayton ohio and another one in el paso texas and, and of course we want to send our condolences out to the families of the people who lost their lives in those terrible acts of terrorism and and and, and we want to make sure that we're talking about those things in real ways because again like human beings are the most important part of all of this, you know, people's lives are being taken away for, for no reason, for, for people who have vendettas against, you know, immigration, for people who have vendettas against, you know, diversity, for people who have, you know, vendettas against, you know, uh, progression of the human race and, and, and things being better in all spaces. We saw a lot of that conversation with the El Paso shooter who spoke specifically about, um, you know, diversity not being a thing that he wants to see happen in the spaces. And as a, as a show who touts and, and, and wants to uplift diversity, we want to absolutely talk about how that's a terrible thing. And we don't want people in the world who are doing that kind of stuff. And I'm happy that he was apprehended, but also sad that he was also taken without uh, getting his behind beat. <laughs> as we see that, that that is not afforded to most people of color, especially black folks. Um, so, I don't know. This has been a rough week. It's it's been it's been not a great week um in terms of a lot of different things and we'll talk a little bit more about the connection between uh or at least the you know the conversation around the connection between gun violence and video games again because that has been brought up into the news because of the dumbest president on the planet. Um and we're going to dig into some of that stuff and if you've seen me on Twitter in the past couple of days reaching out to folks specifically talking about anti-gun ownership and uh, strengthening the laws that we have around guns, you know that I'm trying as best as I can to pull in experts and people who 
understand the, the 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 way that things these things connect in real way so I can bring those conversations to you all at home because it's important. I think it's it's important to understand exactly where we are where we're at. We need to continue to tell truth and we need to continue to knock down these ideas and these lies about the pastime that we all know and love combined with the conversations politically around how we want to move the space forward in a, in a way that makes everyone safer and continues to let people live the lives they that they should be able to live and not live in fear and not live in 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 spaces where they feel like they have to constantly be under attack by people who don't understand that weapons are don't have rights and that <laughs> the ability for you to have a firearm doesn't supersede a person's ability to live a good life or to live a life period. And I think that that's the thing that we have to continue to harp on as a gaming community. We need to use our political and our financial strength in ways that help to combat lobbyists and in ways that help to combat bad information in ways that combat our ability uh, 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 combat the ability for people to consistently try to use this cudgel against us that doesn't deserve to be even in the conversation at all because we all know that none of those things are truthful we know the studies have said there is no connection between video game violence and real game real world violence we know that people who consistently harp on the idea that this is a mental issue a mental health issue are wrong we know that all those conversations around most of the things that we see on the political spectrum being showcased as fact have been disproven in multiple different ways. We know that these things are wrong. We know that when we see politicians kind of use this as this as this talking point, that they're doing it to, to, to rise up the people who are in their particular constituencies. And we also know that most of those folks have been bought out by the NRA and lobbyists. And we know that those things are a part of the ecosystem. So we need to be using all the powers that we have as a gaming community, as consumers, as, 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 as citizens of this country to be able to push back against some of the nonsense that we see in these conversations on a regular basis. We, all, we already know that most of this stuff is pretty full of garbage and it's full of crap and I'm sick of seeing it. And it's one of those things that we have to try to figure out how we're going to do better against. So I implore all of you, once we do our spawn for good stuff, that's the thing that we've been thinking about specifically in a real way of like, how can we make sure that we're using our particular platform for good? Um, that's the thing that I'm hoping that I will be able to, you know, uh, gather all of you up uh, who are in our Bracago community and our Bracago community who care about this just as much as I do to be able to, you know, again, like, figure out ways that we can use all the people who we have in our fold to be able to again push back against all this nonsense in ways that we know that we can you know this this works at home like this is the thing that you know if you are an educated educated gamer or educated about the issues like this is the perfect times to be able to tell the people in your other circles of influence about like how this is not a thing because we already know that Bad information gets disseminated all the time. It's not just people on who listen to Fox News. We hear it in people's, you know, uh, circles of conversation about, you know, oh, well, I didn't know this video game was this thing. And I saw this thing and that had something to do with this thing. And you know that the game of telephone doesn't always work in your favor. So you have to be able to be proactive about shutting some of that stuff down in real ways and being able to to be that light and to be able to 
you know, be the person who is the one who's like pushing back against, again, all that bad information. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about in our own community. I'm going to be leaning on all of you specifically to help me do that work and to hold me accountable and to put people in my vision and my purview so that I'm able to reach out to experts and then bring those conversations to you all here uh, on Spawn on Me. So um, that is your homework. (laughs) Help me help me do that work and help me connect with the people who are going to be able to talk about this stuff in ways that are not just you know, anecdotal ways that are factual in ways that people care about. Um, besides that, um, it's been, uh, another, not another, not great week, I would say, because specifically if you've been paying attention to the work that's been happening or the conversations that have been happening about E3 and ESA in the past 48 to 72 hours, you understand that it is not a good time out here to be a video game journalist. You understand that it's been not wonderful to be able to have your personal information leaked out to the world. Um, And to see the negligence that has happened from the ESA has just blown my mind. The, the, the ESA (laughs) has done such a piss poor job of, safeguarding the people who it should be looking out for the most. So if you, if you haven't caught up with the story, the ESA, um, but well, information was found out that the ESA basically leaked the information of over 2000 journalists who were, had press access or press media kit, or I'm sorry, media access for E3 this year. The, the amounts of people who are on that list, of course, we, we know that they are vast. I'm not going to go into any of those specifics because I want to keep those people safe. And I'm not really going to dig into it really deeply because, again, I don't want to give too much more space to an ability for the, the the kind of passing along of information where where honestly, I think like this story wasn't really handled well across a lot of personally my idea of what the journalistic like look out for your brother and sister has been like. I know that this has been a big story because it is in, uh, affecting a lot of people in the in the business, and I feel like. It is a huge issue and a huge mess up and a huge botch by the ESA in terms of keeping not only the private information of people safe, but also seeing just how long it took for the information to be shared out with the people who were affected so that, you know, the conversation has been that the ESA knew about this information being out there for a month. And we're only now finding out about, you know, who was affected, you know, how badly the, 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 the security was on the portal in which that information was found and also just how badly the response has been from the ESA to one, again, get information to those people who could have their stuff out in the world. And two, I mean, and two, like there's been no, <laughs> there's been literally like no real uh, acknowledgement of any like, we're going to help you fix the problem, any potential problems that are, that are going to happen. So I'm, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm so pissed right now. I'm so really upset at so many of the layers of this garbage cake because our, my information is out there. Like that's a thing that's terrible. Like I don't want people rolling up to my crib on some nonsense because they don't understand how games work and how privacy works and how human beings should be left alone because they have a particular, uh, opinion about the video game space or about any of the things they're in. Like, I don't trust 
humans to do the right thing, especially in an environment where a lot of the times when you come into contact with folks who are not on the up and up that you have to then, you know, continuously worry about, you know, how everything is going to play itself out. I was, I was supposed to be at Evo this, this weekend. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Evo later on in the episode, but I was supposed to be at Evo this weekend. I was super excited. I planned this trip for like months on months on months, got my ticket, got my press passes, got my badges and everything. And I was super excited. I wanted to go see Sonic Fox kick somebody's behind in Mortal Kombat and, and like go represent with my FGC brothers and sisters. And, and I found out about the information getting leaked out on Friday afternoon. And from that point forward, you go into like hunker down mode. You don't know what to do with the space of being like, yo, my public information has been let let out into the world. Like, yeah, there's parts of it where, you know, your information is out there because of just the way that the internet works and some of those things. Most people safeguard their stuff pretty hard about trying to make sure that none of that stuff gets out there, especially if you're part of the press in a in a not press friendly environment that we have in video games right now. But the sure negligence of what the ESA has done has just like put me in such a sour mood that I didn't even go to Evo this year. Like, yeah, it's a boohoo moment. You know, Khalif didn't go to E3. He didn't, he didn't get to go to Evo because he didn't do this stuff. Like, I could have gone, but I wouldn't I wouldn't have had a good time. Like, I've looked forward to that trip for months. And then knowing that all this stuff is out in the world and knowing just how terrible human beings can be, I I just, like, hunkered down in my crib and was just, like, sad and depressed for the whole weekend because there's nothing I can do about that. I can't move. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not like people just pick up and leave once they get doxxed. You don't just dip out. Like, it gives me so much respect and grace for the people who I know in the industry who have gone through these problem, pro- problems before and have come out of it the other side. But I'm sure that there's been so much work that has had to have been done on their part to be able to kind of find a space where they can be safe that I'm just like was down. I was super down. My wife tried to talk me out of it. She was like, yo, you need to go. Um, it's, a, you know, you've been looking forward to this thing for a very long time. And I was like, I just don't like one, I've uh, one, I don't feel safe Two, I want you to feel safe. Three, I just don't know what to do. <laughs> like you can go through the process of all the things, locking down your accounts and doing all that stuff. But it's like, it is very different once the idea of people knowing where you possibly can live is, it is, it is very different. It's an irrational fear. Like I, like in the grand scheme, I don't think anything's going to happen. I've already spoken to local law law enforcement about the possibilities of what that means. So I feel a little bit better in the fact that they know that, you know, if something does pop off, that they know what to do and that there are some, some bad actors in the bunch who, who understand that that's going to be a thing. But in the grand scheme, like I spent most of my weekend locking every, uh, trying to lock down things as much as possible because I'm just like, yo, I don't want to deal with irrational people doing irrational stuff because of video games. Like, I have so many other things in my life that I care about more than just this one particular thing. And to have one of the things that I, that I most love the most, which is being able to say that, you know, our show has garnered enough uh, coverage and has garnered enough momentum that we are able to go to the show called E3 that we love and to have it really feel like, the folks behind it have betrayed me and my trust in some way feels really, really gross. Like it feels really terrible. I don't know how as 
anybody who's had their information shared out can go to whatever E3 is going to look at in the future and not feel some kind of way if they ask you for any personal information. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to that show. Like, everyone's been talking about E3 dying in multiple ways because of, you know, publishers and everybody kind of leaving the show and everyone kind of dipping out on the fact that it's been whatever it's been. But the the lifeblood to a certain extent of E3 has been the people who cover it. And the people who cover it have been betrayed by the governing body who puts on that show. I don't know how you regain trust with any of those processes anymore. I don't think I'm going to go back to that show now. And that's one of the highlights of my year. That's one of the highlights of my of, of, of the, the Spawn on Me media coverage year and my own personal year of being able to go and see everyone at the top of their game, showcasing and sharing out the, the, the wonderful games that they want us to play in the next couple of years and being able to see friends and being able to see people who you care about and love. And, and build new relationships and all that stuff. And now all that stuff feels like all that work that's been put into getting into that space has been for naught because people have not paid attention to the small details. And those small details keep people safe. And those small details that aren't necessary to get a press badge in any other way or to get press coverage in any other form or format. You don't, you don't see PR people asking you for your personal information when you need to, to, to get access to, to, to press assets or to, to meetings or to any of that stuff. And it just recalls just like how old school E3 is in those ways, but also like how badly they, they decided to kind of look and take, take care of people in the way that they have. And, and I'm just so saddened by it. Like I was so bummed this weekend. I was watching Evo and I was super excited for it. And I was, I still had fun watching the, the kind of, day-to-day stuff that happens at Evo and I was getting all these text messages yo Kyle where you at yo Kyle where you at I thought he was going to come be coming I ha- a lot of people I just had to like be like yo I'm scared <laughs> like it's an unrational fear it's an irrational fear I should say it's it's not a thing that I should really be worrying about because in the grand scheme like we're, we're probably going to be fine you know what I mean like I think we're going to be okay but I'm just like at that point where I'm I, my head was my head has always been on a swivel. I'm an 80. I'm a kid from the, the early. I'm sorry, the late 70s who was born and raised in New York. I'm a black man. I'm almost six foot tall. I have so many other things to worry about. And now I have an extra thing to worry about. And, you know, any POC folks out there, you know, just how much and how annoying it is in a daily to have to worry about your safety because you have to worry about people who don't understand things and people who have misconceptions and people don't, and people who don't understand boundaries. I was more scared to go talk to the cops about my own personal safety than worrying about most of the other things that I care about. Cause now I've now surfaced up my own fear to local PD and who knows what happens with that information. Like who knows if they don't understand how to, how to process what I just told them about my potential safety. I have no clue as to figure out what's going to happen if somebody does something or tries to send people to my house. Like, you know, we've seen swatting incidents happen over the years. We know how all that stuff works. I don't trust most cops to understand good boundaries. I don't understand. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think most cops understand 
the intricacies and the fears that people who look like me have about them and about the procedures and about how I personally think that most police officers and most police programs are extensions of white supremacy. We all understand that those are parts of the parts of the deal. We understand racial profiling. We understand that people don't take time to look at brown people and give them the respect and space that's due. We understand that. And now because of a thing I love betraying me and the people behind that thing, betraying the trust of all the people who gave them their information, I now have to keep my head on an extra level of swivel because of pure negligence on their part. And I'm pissed. (laughs) I am so irked at the extra level of stuff that I now have to do and the level of care and stress that now have been put upon me because of this particular incident of people not paying attention. Like it's the, it's like the literal, like you had one job moment for E3 and ESA. Like you had one job, you had one job to make sure that you paid attention and lock down your servers and lock down your website so that you could not have people just snag info for people who are on that particular list. So you have that side of it. Then you have the other angle on that, which is like the people who are surfacing up all the information who are supposed to be supposed to be worrying about and surfacing up this information for folks uh, to kind of warn them that like, hey, maybe your data has been compromised are some of the worst players in the industry who work for some of the worst players in the industry who have some of the worst folks in their fold in their in their in their audiences, like the connections between the people who are surfacing up that information who I will not name uh, for, for my own personal safety and the safety of everybody else. Don't think that the people who haven't been paying attention to the way that all these connections work don't see the coincidences between the, the folks who are surfacing up that information, the ideas behind what they what they kind of represent and the people that they represent and then the people who they're hanging out with and working with and the incidences that have happened in the past couple of weeks that are all tied together. There's no there's no possible way for me to say that there's connective tissue there, but it doesn't it, it doesn't look the sniff test tells me something different. And I've seen those people in the past surface up information to bad actors just for the sake of making sure that they make other people's lives living hell. So like that's a thing that I've seen in the past 48 to 72 hours. And I'm not excited about that. I feel like the the there's been good stories that have popped up about like how things how badly everything has been handled. ESA has sent over two emails so far that have been half-assed at best. They haven't really, again, acknowledged or addressed any of the potential issues. I am assuming at some point there'll be some class action lawsuit, especially if something bad happens to somebody or somebody's information gets shared out and leaked. I've heard from numerous colleagues in the industry how they've gotten people who have just been like, yo, I know where you live, in text message and email form, random phone calls in the middle of the night. Like, it's unreasonable, again, that people who are trying to do their jobs have to live in layers of fear because of a consumer base and some people who are, you know, not, not some people who are on the fringe of that consumer base who don't understand boundaries and don't understand that like the people who they quote unquote hate the most are doing the best work in, in, in deference to, or in relation to, you know, their relationships to the games that they, that they all play. 
So it's like you have people who are doing really good work and being honest about the things they're feeling and seeing and experiencing and sharing those things out. And if there's misalignment or if there's disagreement, we have people in a really heightened society that is hyper violent and also, you know, you know, nuance is not a thing that we see often in the video game industry when it comes to conversations coming from sometimes the press side of the fence, but oftentimes from the consumer side of the fence that again, you know, we have to then safeguard people's information and people's, people's livelihoods and their families. Um, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen next for all that stuff. Like who knows what's going to happen with the ESA? Who knows what's going to happen with E3? Who knows what's going to happen with the way that press interacts with any of the folks who are doing any of these conferences. Like, I wonder how PAX is going to look next year uh, in a couple of weeks. I wonder how TwitchCon is going to look in a couple of weeks. Cause it wasn't just journalist stuff that got leaked out. It was influencers who got their stuff pushed out there too. I wonder if there's going to be heightened security at all these conferences specifically for those folks. Um, it's going to be a real test of people's metal to be able to continue to do the work that we all know that they should be doing out here because of, again, just like total negligence on the, on the part of the ESA. And I don't know how the ESA gets around this. Like they have been quick to be able to put out press releases about stuff when it comes to certain issues that, that, that involve them and the lobbyists that work for them. But on stuff like this, they've been really silent about potential ways that they could be helpful in fixing the problem. And that's unacceptable. Like that's the thing that we just can't rock with. That's not dope at all. And my biggest fear, to be honest, is that, huh. So one of the things that I pride stuff that we do here on is like we take hard stances against you know some of the the worst folks in the industry like we take hard stances against racism and white supremacy and misogyny and homophobia and 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 we take hard stances because we understand that people need to have people out there taking hard stances and activism is a part of the gaming industry if you like it or not it's dope that we get a chance to be able to do that it's dope that people you know, look to us to be people who comment on that stuff. What sucks with all this stuff is like, who knows how hard you can go in the paint now because people know where your stuff is at. Like who knows how hard you can actually like talk about things. I I honestly feel like this is going to silence so many people who have been affected by it. People who can't figure out what their next step is going to wind up being people who don't have means to be able to talk about stuff in the way that they need they, that they should be this is going to silence so many people who have really important stances and important uh, things to talk about in the space because now that their safety has been put at risk again we have to we have to hope that nothing bad comes of this we've already seen two incidences where people or incidents Sorry, I keep saying incidences. That's not a word. Two incidents where someone who is not right, someone who is evil, someone has mal 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 uh, <clears throat> mal intent to hurt people because of ideology that is founded in nothing, because of ideology that is founded in nonsense and founded in hate 
and founded the misinformation, decided to kill people in Texas. Now they're up to 22 deaths. I forget how many deaths are in Dayton, Ohio. But it's a thing that we have to then think about for doing a job that we love to do because people have malcontent or, or malintent because of, uh, of objections and opinions that we have about the industry and the way that it's going in certain aspects. That is unreasonable. It's dumb. It makes no sense that that's a thing that people have to worry about. I understand the press has been under attack for many, many, many years. We've seen it rise up in the in the years of Gamergate. We've seen it even double down in the in the era of Trump. We've seen it prior to, to either one of those things be in the space where people who are telling truth have always been shouted down. Right now, it's at an even heightened level where the, the harassment that we've seen in the industry happens on a consistent basis. It's a thing that we see happen all the time. I see so many people who I, who I care about getting terrible emails and getting terrible text messages and getting terrible tweets at them because they have shared an, shared information about a video game, about a thing that we all kind of care and love and, and, and want to see grow. It's time that the violence is, needs to stop. It's time, it's time for the, the harassment needs to stop. All those things need to be gone. They won't be because that's the internet. But if we understand that that's the case, then we need to make sure that we're paying attention to how all that information gets shared. We have to pay attention to the people who are most going to be affected. We have to keep those people safe. And we have to make sure that when we're safeguarding ourselves and safeguarding the information that we're hopefully not having to, tur- to, 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 to turn around and, and not be as involved because of the potential of, 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 of danger. But I'll be honest, I'm scared. I'll be honest. I don't know what that means. I don't trust. We live in an irrational world with irrational people. And for me to not show, share, share that out would be disingenuous to me and to everybody else who's in my audience. Because I love y'all. Because I appreciate the time and effort that you give to us on our show. And I love and appreciate everybody else who does the hard work in this industry. So it's rough. I'm not digging it. Uh, we got to figure out ways to be better. The ESA is going to have to wind up coughing up some money or some time and some effort to make sure they make it right. But I don't know if the damage has already been done. And I'm sure it has been. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're going to talk about some lighter news. Uh, and we're going to do that right after this.
Welcome back to the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm your host, Kylie Fathoms. Thank you so much for hanging out uh, through the break. Uh, massive love to everybody out there who stuck it through the not happy first half of the show. Um, it's, it's again, it's, it's been a busy, busy weekend. It's been a busy, busy week. Um, lots of stuff that we need to talk about. One of the things that I, I wanted to dig into that we didn't get a chance to talk about last week because we missed a little bit of it because it happened during the weekend was Fortnite rocked it over at the Arthur Ashe Stadium, Stadium over in New York with their huge World Cup where Booga uh, won $3 million, 16-year-old kid won $16 million. Um, massive amounts of love to everybody on the Epic team. They did a fantastic job of showcasing what I think now is the premier esport in terms of kind of uh, – third-person shooters maybe and i'm not going to say the, the biggest one because we know league of legends and and csgo still have lots of legs in the game and how they've been killing it for years but it's been pretty fantastic to be able to see all the stuff that went into the building up of this particular event which was fantastic like jeremy hoffman on the epic team i'm giving you right now your moment in the in the in the sun to shine as bright as you are and as bright as you can because you and the rest of the team put on a magical show. I wish that I was there to witness it in real time. I'm extremely sad that I wasn't there to go see it back in New York. It would have been dope to be able to be home and watching all that stuff um, in person. But you know everything from all the participants to uh, the stagecraft to the commentary team to the AV team to the graphics team like they they have figured out so far a fantastic way to showcase Fortnite in a way that made me want to get back into the game and play not just because of money like yes because of the money no but just not not just because of the money but, but like seriously like I feel they have done a great job of showcasing what that game can be in a competitive esport arena. I know that they had some missteps in the beginning when they were trying to do some of that stuff with Paragon before it got shut down and the community didn't really dig it. But now with some years under their belt of trying to figure out better ways to showcase the game, I think they did a fairly good job. One of the things that I did see and did notice though, that was uh, of note for me personally was um, I went through the list of people who, performed in the competitive parts of the competition um because i'd watch the you know watch it on twitch and, and look at some of the people who were performing and, and doing all that stuff not the folks who were in the pro-am stuff and the celebrity tournament parts but the folks who were like trying to win money for themselves and it was a really interesting space to be able to to kind of take in all these young people i think the oldest participant was 24 24 years of age with the with the winner of the solo competition again being 16 and something that stood out to me is that there was no women no girls playing in that particular uh, competition and there were really 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 sparse versions of POCs in that space i didn't see not one black kid in that in that in that tournament not one and that stood out to me cuz i'm like i know that there is a huge amount of brown kids who are playing Fortnite. I just came from a volunteer event here in Portland, which is one of the whitest states on the planet, right? One of the whitest states in, in, in the United States. And every kid who was in that room was a person of color. It was all brown kids. 
all young, all playing the game, playing the game well, like rocking it out. Actually, big shout out to Epic for sending us some swag to give to the kids. Massive love to them for participating in that particular thing. But there were like no black kids, no brown kids in that in that huge tournament where if you came up in 50th place, you came home with 100K. I think about the amount of money that was spent to get that tournament together, to make that prize pool, to get all that stuff together so that they can have a fantastic event, which again was done well. And I think about why is it that there are no brown kids here? I, it's not a thing that I that is that is done purposely by Epic. I doubt that that's a thing. It's not a thing because there's, there's there's a, a, a tryouts, not tryouts, but there's like basically tournaments that you get into that you qualify for so that you can be get that you can get into the World Cup. So it's not like there's this like discrimination happening there. But we all know the socioeconomic uh, implications of what it means to be able to play an esport well and have the equipment because most of the games that they were playing on were PCs. Sure, there were kids playing on controllers, but the thing that was hosting the game was a PC. We all know the socioeconomic implications of what that means to have a, a gaming computer in your home or, or a computer that can game well in your home. Those are not cheap. They're also like I see that 16 year old kid playing. I see a lot of kids playing on that on that stage. A lot of those kids have the parental guidance and the parental space and the space to be able to train hours upon hours upon hours to be able to get as good as you can to become a pro in that sport and a pro in that game. A thing that is often not afforded for people of color and especially black kids because we have so many uh, societal issues that we have to worry about in terms of safety and all the other things that we think about and are affected by that to a certain extent we're being boxed out of uh, uh, opportunities to make that kind of dough because of all those factors and it just makes me think and I see it across most of esports there's really only two spaces where I see brown people represented well in esports and that's in the fighting game community and that's in the 2k league it's the only two places and those places don't make a sliver of the amount of money that you could have made in that Fortnite tournament. One of the dope things I did see though, was this one young kid. There was one viral video that went out. It was one kid. I'm not sure what his background was, but he was, but he was POC and his dad picked him up, hugged him and basically like thanked him in, the, in their native language and like they had a big hug and it was, I think, I think the kid won like $950,000, super young kid. And I was like, you know, that, that kid was fortunate enough to have all the things in alignment that'd be able to do that work. And it was something that was then, you know, celebrated upon, amongst he and his family. But I'm like, I know that there are kids out here who can do that work too. I know there are kids who can do all that same stuff who look like me and are playing at high rates and are probably playing at high rates and playing really, really well. Like the only kids that I see are like the TSM kids who are, who are doing that work. And, you know, Myth is the, the, huge, the, the biggest name in that, in that group. And they got picked up by an esports team. But it is very rare to see more than one in any form or fashion on a, in, a, in those kinds of games. Like, again, like fighting game tournaments are very one-on-one. You don't have team sports like that. But the team sports ones, you hardly anybody sees any brown kids in league or Dota, who are playing on teams 
for competitions for money in that way. Like you may see a kid in the Overwatch League, maybe, but not often even there. So it makes me think, and I'm trying to figure out ways to pull up data, and I'm still trying to work on this as, as a thing that I can share with all of you in a way that makes sense. And we're hopefully going to have p- people come on to talk about this specifically. Like I poked at uh, uh, Dr. Kishana Gray, who's been doing so much research about some of this stuff in the past about being on the show, but things didn't line up because I had some stuff going on. Um, she was supposed to be on this week, but we just weren't able to make it happen. That was my fault. But like, I want to be able to talk to her about some of the stuff. I want to find statistics that definitely kind of go back into the conversation about what is the impact of brown people to gaming in terms of our dollar? What does that mean for in terms of the conversations that we see often around representation and how we can affect those things by using our dollars in ways of removing them from the system. I see the homies over at Black Girl Gamers talking about this all the time in the Overwatch spaces. Shout out to them, mad love to them. And we're talking about this stuff a lot, but I'm trying to figure out ways that we can be actionable so we have the data that backs the information that we wanna do. If we decide that like, yo, if we say, hey, gaming industry, you're not gonna get our dollars for six months. Or this particular game that is supposed to be popping and being really popular, we're not going to support it because we understand that we are not being represented in a way that we are able to actually be seen. Like, what does that mean in real ways? So that's the thing that I'm trying to poke at behind the scenes in my in my non-podcasting and work life. But I feel like it's, again, like one of those things that is a thing that pops up in my mind of like, these are life-changing amounts of money that we just don't currently have access to and no one is doing the job of poking in there and being like, why? I don't expect Epic to put aside any money or funding or any of that stuff to get more brown kids into the game. But I do expect PC companies to be able to look at that and be like, yo, there's a spot here on the, if you have esports money to be able to be like, yo, how can we support these disenfranchised segments of our consumer base and get them into spaces where they can compete. I think that that's a reasonable ask. People have diversity money in their coffers. They have that stuff set aside every quarter to be able to support a franchise or support an organization or support an outlet who's doing that work and say, yo, here's a need or here's a thing that we see as a potential problem. We want the gaming and the playing field to be even as much as we possibly can. We can do that through the games that we make. We can do that through the the formats of the competitions that we do. We can do that by flying people in and out of particular places where there are competitions. But we need to be able to grow up and to gear up the people who are folks who are in this segment who could be potential customers to, to what we do. It's, it's an easy proposition in terms of being like, yo, here are people who are playing these games, but we don't see them in any other spots in any of the stuff that we do. Why is that? We know the socioeconomic, socioeconomic issues that, su- that support those things. We understand the levels of poverty that go along with some of that stuff. We already, we already understand that education is a huge part of that. And your multifunction purpose PC that can also gain will be a thing that they can use for education. There is no real excuse for it besides just not paying attention to it and doing the research and putting the money towards research that can help push those things along. So that's a conversation that we need to have in a real way. I'm hoping that the next Fortnite competition will have more brown kids in it 
Um, it needs to have more women in it. it. Needs to have more girls in it. It was dope to see Ewok get picked up by Phase. It was fantastic. Young young girl who's um who's deaf. First, I think deaf esports player now. We already have seen folks with disabilities kind of make make their way into, into specific specific teams or at least do well in competitions. So it was great to be able to see that be uh, celebrated and also kind of uplifted and having a spotlight put on that. But again, like. There's got to be there's got to be a better way to be able to get more kids into the game when I know that they are already playing. We know that kids are playing that stuff. We know that mobile for most most brown kids is is the most accessible easy version of getting into a particular game or gaming in in general. We know that's the first piece of device that most kids get. So there's got to be ways to, to to move past that initial step and get people into the game literally. So I'm hoping that we see some more information get popped up in the next couple of years. I'm going to help to try to do my part. I'm going to help to try to advocate in the in the spaces that I can. And I'm going to need, again, your help out in the world to kind of surface these things and say, like, yo, these are things that we want to see. How can Epic, how can Riot, how can all these other companies do do that work to try to help push those things along? Um, real quick side note in, uh, when I just brought up Riot, huge shout out to Yusef Cole. And the folks over at Patriot Act, Hassan Minaj, who we definitely want to see if we can get on the show. Yo, Hassan, come on the show, son. Um, they did a fantastic piece about labor in video games. Our, our friends over at Game, Game Work, Games Workers Unite um, were featured heavily in there. Um, it was a fantastic piece. Talks about you know just how much crunch and, and, and misogyny and, and all those terrible things have been pushed into the industry and how now we have a, 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 very, a very common... In, in most of the spaces that we see over there. Um, so again, shout out to, to Yousef for bringing that stuff to their attention and getting them to help do that piece uh, over at Patriot Act. It's something you should definitely watch. It's on YouTube, it's on Netflix. Definitely go check that thing out because it was fantastic. Um, something you should definitely be watching if you are not uh, familiar with uh, all those things that are happening, but I'm sure if you've listened to us, you know what the deal be with all that stuff. Um, Two other pieces of news before we get out of here for this episode. Uh, Ninja has moved over to Mixer, which is a huge get for Mixer. Um, I am actually, re- I was really surprised at the fact that it happened. But when you kind of sit back and look at it, it makes a lot of sense for Microsoft. I think if you're looking like, well, let's take a step back. I think it makes sense money wise and uh, visibility wise. I am not sure if it moves the needle in the way that they hope it will. Um, there are still issues with him not playing with women. There are still issues with him having the potential to to pop off and say something that's not great because that's a, that's the a streamer curse. He's been media trained enough now that he understands that like, yo, you're not going to f with my money, so I'm not going to do those things. But I think he carries some baggage that goes along with him. He had his first mixer stream that dropped 80,000 people in it. They did a, they did a thing where basically if you go to his stream in the initial parts of the, uh, of the couple of days that he's going to be on, I think for the first month of him being on mixer, uh, you'll be able to get a free sub to his channel. So you know that they basically Microsoft supplemented or at least covered the amount of money that he would have been making on Twitch by moving over to mixer plus some, whatever that 
figure may be is got to be in the millions of dollars. So they paid him to now become the brand ambassador for not only Xbox gaming in some ways, but for the new console, because you know he's going to be present and he's going to help to usher in the new Scarlet, whatever that may be, E3 or whatever launch event that they're going to have. You know that he's going to wind up having a ninja console. So that's going to be a thing with his logo on it or something to that effect. Um, the biggest thing about Ninja moving over to to Mixer has less to do with streaming to me and it has more to do with esports because we know Halo, Halo Infinite, is going to be dropping in the fall of 2020 with the launch of the console. Ninja was a former pro Halo player. He talked about it in his weird faux press conference thing that he did about getting back to his roots. So you know he's going to be working with the folks over at the Halo Infinite team to be working on that game in some form of fa- from former fashion or some capacity. And you know he's going to be performing and playing that game specifically. Like I don't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Ninja move away from Fortnite and directly just into Halo Infinite when it drops and seeing how their competitive side of the stuff goes. We can see that that's probably going to be a thing. It makes sense. It, it would it would not if they were paying him that kind of money to not do it, then that would be silly. The good thing is, no matter how much money they spent on it, the biggest winner out of all of this is Mixer and their streaming service, which again was in second place for a long period of time. Probably still is in second place in terms of the preferred platform for people to go stream on. But I think what happens now is that platform is no longer looked at as the ugly stepchild, right? We've seen a lot of people, I've seen a lot of scuttlebutt amongst a whole bunch of streamers and a whole bunch of content creators who have been like ears perked up, eye emojis, like, yo, what's going on over there? Can I get some? And that's going to be real interesting to see how that plays itself out in the next couple of months. I have, as a Twitch ambassador, there have been things on the Mixer platform that I have thought have been fantastic and things I wish that Twitch would have implemented. Um, and they seem to be a little bit slow in trying to pull some of those things over. Um, the interactivity stuff, I think, has been brilliant, and I think that that's been super great. We've seen them kind of push, Mixer push push Twitch into doing other things technically in terms of real-time chat. Like, we've seen those things happen. But with the biggest name on their platform moving away, I don't know what they do to respond to that because – who is the next person up that you want to kind of showcase as that thing for as much as Ninja has had his issues and has been sometimes not a great ambassador for the sport or for the, for the streaming community, he was at least well enough trained that once he made a mistake, he would kind of figure out ways or at least his team would figure out ways to make him look like it wasn't a big issue. Who's the next person up that you think of when you think of Twitch Dr. Disrespect. He can't be the face of Twitch. He should be in jail. <laughs> like he, he can't be that person. And, and Twitch can't make him that person. There are, again, there are companies who continue to give that cat opportunities. Call of Duty, they gave him a spot to be able to do that stuff. Play Apex, I think, probably gave him a spot to be able to play, to play and do stuff with them. They keep paying him money. People keep paying those cats money. But who's going to fill in that spot? That's going to be the interesting thing. Like, who's going to be the person that takes over that huge chunk of viewership? And mind you, like, no matter what you think, again, of Ninja, 
I personally just don't find his content to be to be good. Like his content is boring. Most of the top cats that I see currently who are in the spots that we see on Twitch and Mixer, I'm not going to say Mixer because I don't watch Mixer as much, but most people who I watch on Twitch who get the most love and who are constantly at events and who are the ones who get the biggest access, those cats are boring. I don't see anything in their content that makes me excited to watch the stuff that they watch, watch the stuff that they play. It was cool when Ninja was good at the game, and now he's not good at the game. He's good at the game, but he's not as good as everybody else is. And there's other people who are better than him at the game who are probably more entertaining who haven't gotten that love because once you get into a spot, then like you're the only dude at that spot. So we'll see again what happens later on in the year and kind of in the next couple of years, again, how Twitch will perform and how Twitch will kind of counteract that and see if they kind of try to get their own free agent from another spot and kind of kind of kind of lift them up and push them into good spaces. Um, it, it's going to be really fun to be able to see that stuff. It is more competition, which is good. It makes people look at that platform in a different way. Shout out to Josh Stein, who now gets to gets to rock with those folks over on that side of the fence and do more good work over at Mixer. Um, it's it's going to be really uh, interesting to see how things play themselves out in the next couple of years and really just how Microsoft positions him um, in that space. Um, last but not least for this episode of Spawn on Me, uh, heading back to Evo. Man, Evo was so good this year. Evo was just so fantastic this year. Evo continues to be the premier uh, fighting game uh, tournament, but also I think I think it just continues to be the premier esports competition. Like I know people talk about League and Dota and all that stuff and and the championships and all that stuff, but I'm just like Evo just has so many wonderful stories that come out of that competition every year. Like so many highlights that are just fantastic that people just really love and pay attention to and give you more insight into the people who are performing and, and, and players in the games. And some of the ones that just stand out, like, you know, Arslan Ash, who, who, who performed fantastically in Tekken, which, which had like a crazy amount of viewership, like 250,000 people were watching Tekken's finals last night, like, or, or, or sun, Sunday night, I should say. Like him, him bowing and praying to God after he won was a fantastic moment. Like it was super dope to see him be able to have that moment and and have that Muslim prayer moment and like sit, you know, like be in there and then have that be the thing that happens afterwards. Like was fantastic. Goichi and Sonic and Sonic Fox's rivalry continues to happen over in Dragon Ball where over the years they've gone at each other and there's been fierce competitions of Goichi finally takes the crown and beats Sonic Fox and like breaks down in tears and cries and Sonic Fox just like consoles him in his chair like it it is frustrating that the fighting game community has still not gotten over the hump in terms of making the money and the endorsements that I feel like they should have I don't know if it's just you know legacy stuff from being the bad boys of the of the of the competition of the esports arena, you know, again, like the the esports, the fighting game community has always had its kind of ups and downs with trying to figure out ways that they can showcase the players who have sometimes been super problematic and 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 had issues and stuff like that. But I feel like it, it just showcases just how good the competition is and how fantastic, you know, the 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 parts of the community have been. Um, seeing Sonic Fox again take 
uh, Mortal Kombat 11 this year or taking Mortal Kombat 11 this year after beating Dragon, who who ha- who they have have a, a really dope rivalry right now. Dragon, I'm hoping will one day be able to kind of overcome that and, and, and beat Sonic or somebody beat Sonic at this point because Sonic Fox is still the best gay black furry uh, <laughs> fighting game tournament uh, player in, in, in all the land, which is which is dope in and of itself. But it, I'm telling you, it's just like every time I get a chance to go, and the reason why I'm so sad I didn't necessarily get a chance to go this year, next year I'm definitely going, is that you just see everyone at their best competition-wise and friendship-wise, and you see so many people being helpful. It was a super dope uh, French sister who was playing. I think her name was Cherise. Uh, and she was dope. She had a really fantastic Jade who she was rocking with. She was super great. Um, she was fantastic. There was so many sisters who I saw who were playing in there too. It was really dope to be able to see those folks. And it, it just brings back the idea of just like fantastic competition happening all over the place. Smash was huge this year again. Crazy amounts of people just rolling into that tournament and, and busting ass. Uh, it, it just again like it is my favorite time of year it, it just makes me super happy to be able to see people play that game or play those games in those spaces and uh it, it just like always comes together in such a fantastic way i'm like really excited for it they had a couple of weird things happen uh somebody from the evo staff put up this kind of uh this quick like mini video or a snippet of a video basically that looks like one of the communication screens from a from a metal gear game so if you ever played metal gear you know they have those moments where you have i think it's from metal gear 3 basically and then kind of moving forward where you have the conversations happen in these small boxes like you're in a, a radio communication with with snake and basically one had one one popped up on the screen in the middle of the tekken tournament or like towards the end of the Tekken tournament where there usually is a spot where you kind of see new fighters come into the game where they do new announcements and stuff. So people got super hyped thinking that snake was going to be in the game and it wasn't, <laughs> they did it as a joke and everybody got super freaked out about it. There's this really dope video. Tasty Steve who's one of the best commentators in the game when, and, and the guilty gear uh, announcement about that game coming back, he do was almost in tears. Like I love, the people in that community so so much because they just showcase their emotions and, and and share out all the goodness that is in those spaces so like huge shout out to everybody in the fgc again i think they showcase themselves really really well i just don't know what is going to have to happen for them to get over the hump so that they can make the kinds of money that everybody else is going to make in that space um i wish that that's a thing that would happen at some point because I think that they deserve it at this point. There's lots of lots of people in that industry who deserve the kudos and all that stuff. One last thing that I forgot to talk about when it came back to the Fortnite competition as a quick addendum and a thing that I would love people to think about and think to ponder on. Um, I know there's been a lot of conversations around microtransactions and about how you know those things lead to not great practices within games and also you know crunch and everything else kind of making themselves. Um, more prevalent one thing I did think about the other day after seeing that young kid kind of jump into the arms of his parent and getting that that kind of um, life-changing money for them was everyone kind of talks about the negative side of microtransactions I see Jim Sterling kind of dig into it every time that there's a new story about about stuff Um, 
and I thought about just another angle that I'm, I'm going to leave you all with and think about like, is there any good that comes from all this stuff? Right? Like, yes, crunch is a terrible thing. Yes. We know that people working their, their brains to the bone are, are not good, but without the buildup over the past year and a half, two years of some of the stuff that we know is terrible. Some of the stuff that we know is not great that it afforded Epic Games at least to be able to make this tournament that then gave at least 50 people, 50 people out of, I think, a couple of maybe 200 kids, the ability to change their lives overnight. That all came from microtransaction money. It came from skins. It came from DLC, came from battle passes, came from all that stuff. Stuff that people poo-poo in the press all the time about how terrible it is and, and the game community, how we continue to talk about how bad all that stuff is. Yes, it does not outnumber all the people who work behind the scenes. It does not outnumber the, 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 the bad practices. It does not, does not mean that we should not still be continuing to try to unionize the gaming community. But for, for a split second, just think about how all that supposedly bad how, not supposedly, how, how those bad practices have led to the ability for some people to be able to change their lives overnight through the money that they wind up getting in those particular games. Sure, if you're in the 50th place and you got 100K and the, the taxes took half of it, you still came home with 50K. That's, that's more than what some people make in a year. It's a thing to think about. I think I want people to be able to think about that stuff too. Just don't think about the negative aspects of some of the things that we wind up seeing in some of these esports and some of these practices. I think sometimes it's it's a it's a it's a reasonable line to toe, but sometimes I think that we miss, especially on the press side. Like I just I saw no stories about how that life changing money came from those microtransactions or any of those practices. I saw no stories on any of the, the outlets that we see, and I think it's a nuanced take to be able to be like, yo, some good came out of that in some form or fashion. I think that's okay uh, to be able to talk about those things in real ways. So um, lots of stuff coming up on the horizon. Um, I'm going to be playing some Church in the Darkness, which just came out. Shout out to Richard Rouse, who, who was on our show earlier in the year. Uh, I've been playing a whole bunch of that. Uh, jumped back into Destiny, which was uh, nuts and have a lots, lots of stuff to talk about there. Uh, we have some fantastic news. We're going to be doing a uh, charity event for able gamers this weekend uh, we're going to be working with the folks over at able gamers and mountain dew uh, to help uh, showcase uh, the game over there we're going to be playing a whole bunch of apex legends so i'm trying to find some folks to squad up with to be able to do that on stream and uh if you're thinking about going to twitchcon you should absolutely a- absolutely go to twitchcon because on sunday of that weekend we're going to be doing a version of spawn on me live with my boys mega ran Paris Lily of Gamertag Radio and Miss DJM, uh, who's one of my favorite content creators in the space. So we're really excited that we're going to be over there in the Twitch Unity Lounge, hanging out, doing a live show from TwitchCon. And I may have a couple of other announcements TwitchCon related uh, coming up soon that I'll be able to talk about once the ink gets dried on the contracts and things like that. So again, everybody, thank you so, so much for rocking with us this week and every week. Uh, it is a pleasure to be able to do this work with you all. Please stay safe out there. Make sure that you're treating each other kindly. Make sure you're treating each other with nuance and deference and making sure that you're paying attention to all the stuff that's going around you because we live in uncertain times and it's not great for everybody. 
but we still want to make sure that we're giving love to everybody who we possibly can to because if that's all that's out here that's all we got all we got is each other so much love to you all this is Ka this is Spawn Me Podcast peace the Spawn Me Podcast can be found every Tuesday on all podcast platforms and Portland Radio at xray.fm at 107.1 slash 91.1 you can find us live every Thursday on twitch.tv slash Me. if you want to reach out to us on the show you can hit us up on our site spawnonme.com where you can find all our social media information about our Twitter Instagram and everything else alongside our contact page if you want to reach out and shoot us a message or a business inquiry much love to you all thank you so much for listening every week and we say Peace.